a past trauma that has happened to their body or even surgery can affect how a uterus is shaped and then it will affect how a baby is positioned in utero um, and then it will affect how tight a baby's muscles or fascia can be or how they're going to be coming through the birth canal all of those things can stay in the first year of life and beyond and then they kind of can develop certain things that we wouldn't want to see as a really young baby um, i think we all hear of like oh my gosh my baby just wants to stand all the time and they're like three months old and that's a big kind of red flag it's nothing dangerous but that's just a baby whose tissues and bodies just in hyperextension mode welcome to the one strong mama podcast the no bs show that's not afraid to get real about all things pregnancy birth postpartum and beyond We're talking with visionaries who are challenging the status quo and changing the world one pregnancy and one birth at a time. I'm Lindsay McCoy, mom of four, exercise physiologist, doula, and childbirth educator. My passion is making pregnancy, childbirth, and recovery better. And I'm also passionate about coconut LaCroix. And I'm Lauren O'Hayan, a mom of three girls, lover of all things tropical. I have never had coconut LaCroix, and I am known for my work with the core and pelvic floor. Today's episode, we are talking all things cranial sacral therapy. We are joined by Landon, who is a cranial sacral therapist, lactation counselor, educator, and a birth doula. I actually use her myself, because she's local to me, as a backup doula for my own clients quite frequently. So... I think the world of her, I think she's amazing, and it was really fascinating for us to hear about different things that can show up in an infant that can be a sign that they need to work some stuff out, whether the birth was really fast, really slow, cesarean, there's a lot of different things that can show up from the birthing process itself, and other things as well, so a baby who cries all the time and has colic, or a baby who puts a lot of weight on their feet, that was one I hadn't heard about, there's a lot of different things that can show up that may be a sign that the baby could use some of this work. So whether you are an expectant person, a new parent, know someone with a baby, I think craniosacral therapy is amazing and fascinating and something that you may want to learn more about. Landon Yakovleva, I want that last name, is a birth doula, lactation counselor, educator, and a craniosacral therapist located in South St. Paul, Minnesota. She has attended over 250 births, has taught human lactation feeding classes, both privately and in a hospital setting, and has supported many families in their feeding journeys. As a craniosacral therapist, Landon primarily works with infants to help them work out issues and tension related to in utero positioning and birth. Landon has also been a part of the nonprofit, the Childbirth Collective for close to five years, and is currently finishing up her term as the president of the collective. That's awesome. And Landon, you are expecting your second child. That's also exciting. Yeah. So Landon, welcome. I There's so many things in your bio alone that I'm like, oh, let's talk about this. <laughs> um, so it's great. It's great to have you here. I, you know, we love hearing, we love stories. So we love hearing about people's kind of journey and how you became kind of a doula, and just tell us more about how you got to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I became a doula after the birth of my first kiddo. Um, I 
her pregnancy was very unexpected for us. We were kind of uh, living fast and really loved our life. We traveled a lot and we were the type of people that kind of were thinking like, we'll just have kids in our forties or, and if we can't have um, kids on our own, we'll adopt and things like that. And um, so she came as a really huge surprise actually while we were traveling, <laughs> uh, we found out we were pregnant with her. Where were um, you? Uh, we were in Nashville and it was actually like the last day of our foodie uh, whiskey trip that we went on. <laughs> yes. And uh, it was a huge shock to both of us. I think we, I think I cried for like four days straight. Um, but in the end, her coming into this world and the universe being like, you know, what you two really need as a kid um, was probably the best thing to like ever, ever happen to us. Um, and so after um, we kind of settled into like, yeah, we're going to have a kiddo on the way. Um, I started just researching birth as much as I can. Um, I was really lucky to not have to work at that time. Um, so I didn't work for most of my pregnancy with her, which was really lovely. So I really focused on everything birth related. Um, and we chose to go with a birth center here locally called Health Foundations. And I absolutely loved, uh, which I know is kind of rare to say, um, giving birth to her. And I love mm -hmm. the care that I received. And so right after that, I saw a doula training come up uh, with a local at the time donor trainer. And um, I kind of jumped on that and she was just a baby at the time. And um, yeah, and so I got trained. The person that trained me actually hired me on the last day of training to do some um, like social media content for them and run some of the new parent groups. So I started doing that. Um, and then I think I attended my first birth just like a couple weeks after that, after the training. Um, it was very, it was a very quick, like snowball effect into the birth community here in the Twin Cities. Um, I think because the birth community in the Twin Cities is so busy, um, it was kind of, if you want to be, you know, kind of full force in it, then you can be. So um, that's how I started as a birth doula. And I have been doing it ever since then. I've been doing it full time. So I do attend about four to five births a month. Um, sometimes more, sometimes a little less kind of plays out how babies are born. Mm -hmm. um, and then I did my lactation training. And <clears throat> the person that um, trained me as lactation as a CLEC, um, I was part of her lactation practice for a little bit. And there was another craniosacral therapist on staff that uh, worked on babies and we saw a profound effect on how they, how well they fed and nursed and just kind of went about life actually um, after some CST. And so following um, getting my CLEC, I went and did my like five levels of craniosacral therapy. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how I am here now. <laughs> that's amazing. And do you, Craniosacral, is that you're only working with infants or are you working with mom infants or mom is not the right word. Pregnant person is a more appropriate term. So are, do you see, like, do you want, do, is this the population you serve? Yeah, I work a lot on infants. I think just because that's kind of how 
Um, I get a lot of referrals for like a lactation and CST visit together. So that's kind of what I end up seeing. Um, we also have around here, and I know it's controversial, but we um, have a lot of pediatric dentists that do a fair share of like phrenectomies and um, lip and tongue tie releases. Um, so we'll get referrals for working on babies from uh, post revision and just anything that kind of comes up. Part of being in such a big birth community is that someone always has clients whose babies need work. So that is my primary. Um, I do sometimes work on adults um, that has nothing to do with birth. And then I do, you know, part of what like CST is, is balancing the body. So um, if I'm working with my own client that's pregnant or um, just someone else that's been referred to me, sometimes um, we do work out things that are related or going to be related to childbirth as well. But yeah, primarily it is, I see a lot of babies. So for people listening who may not know about craniosacral and specifically related to babies, Mm-hmm. birth and you mentioned you know the whole frenulum and that can you give some context to all of that yeah yeah so that's just like one little piece of what may be going on with a baby but craniosacral therapy was um, started and developed by an osteopathic physician uh, many years ago and I always say like don't Google it. Although I will say Google is getting better because <laughs> one of the first articles that used to come up was Wikipedia and Wikipedia is not kind to CST. And it actually has a lot of false information, which is really unfortunate. Um, but each, I feel like each CST person also kind of tr- uh, practices it a little bit differently. Like if a chiropractor does CST, their sessions can be a little shorter sometimes, Um, just kind of depends what's going on. But for the majority of folks, it is um, really light touch technique. So we're never like adjusting someone's body. We're following either a rhythm or what their body is like, quote unquote, communicating with us, which I know may sound like super woohoo, but we really listen closely to where an imbalance may be. And it's uh, mainly related to fascia and muscle, but with babies, sometimes like, especially if like a baby has some plagiocephaly, which is just some cranial bones that are not sitting very well aligned or balanced, we'll work on that. Or if their cranial plates are kind of crowding, so they're coming, the suture lines are coming into each other. um, We'll work on that as well. And some of this is can be related to genetics. So I see babies that like, well, look at that, like this baby absolutely has their dad's chin. Um, but some of it can be related to in utero positioning, as you two know, um, and you kind of preach this, that depending on how someone holds their body or uh, tra- a past trauma that has happened to their body or even surgery can affect how a uterus is shaped, and then it will affect how a baby is positioned in utero, um, and then it will affect how tight a baby's muscles or fascia can be or how they're going to be coming through the birth canal. And then all of those things can stay in the first year of life and beyond. Um, And then they kind of can develop um, certain things that we wouldn't want to see as like a baby, a really young baby. Um, I think we all hear 
of like, oh my gosh, my baby just wants to stand all the time. And they're like three months old. And that's a big kind of red flag. It's nothing dangerous, but that's just a baby whose tissues and bodies just in hyperextension mode. So they just want, they're super tight all the time. And that's not preferable. You want a baby that has nice flexibility that um, I, I say at three, four months old, they should be just like real floopy, soft potatoes that can like fold into themselves really nicely. Um, what is it that yeah. you said that people say my babies want to be what? Like the they want to stand? You, you mean like put stand. pressure on oh, their feet? stand. I think yeah. you said stay in. Got no. <laughs> I heard stay in. I was like, well, mm. the, but that's actually interesting. Cause I think people are like, look at my strong baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I you're know. saying mm-hmm. that's actually could be a sign that they need some work. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. They, that is, um, that's a lot of tightness going on all over their body and baby's bodies are so tiny. Um, you know, you could have a baby could have really tight feet, um, and the muscles in their feet and their ankles, and it could be affecting them on how they eat. Um, and part of that is like all these pathways, um, and everything is just so bundled, um, that releasing their feet could help them eat better. It's pretty wild. But question related Mm -hmm. to that. So do you notice like how the method of delivery or the birth, let's say long pushing phase, short pushing Mm -hmm. stage, long labor cesarean, like How do you see that playing out in the baby? Yeah, um, there's so many ways. (laughs) Um, This is one of the things when I go like work on a baby for the first time, these are the questions as I work on them, I'll actually have their parents start telling me um, part of their birth story. And sometimes I can work on start working on a baby and I can guess what happened. Mm. And they're like, oh yeah, that's exactly, um, they either came out super fast or they came out, um, they took a really long time coming out or they were, or I'll ask like, when you were pregnant, how did you feel your baby? Were you feeling them primarily kicking to the left? Um, and they'll, they might say like, yeah, and I I'll tell them like, and you can even feel that like, oh, well here, your baby has, you know, more um, a tighter neck on one side than the other, um, things like that. But yes, um, how birth plays out can absolutely affect how a baby feeds, um, how, just how they can function in their body in the first, um, few weeks and then months and kind of the rest of their life too. This episode is brought to you by the One Strong Mama program, the game-changing prenatal and postnatal program that prepares the body for pregnancy, birth, and beyond, based on the Body Ready Method, teaching birth and fitness pros how to assess and train prenatal clients. Go to onestrongmama.com to learn more. That's cool. You know, my fourth baby came out super fast. Like, I think my actively trying to slow it down. Pushing stage was 10 minutes. This is me like trying to slow it down. Came out with some bruising as well and he fed great, but he was super colicky until I got cranial sacral therapy. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if who knows, like no molding whatsoever. He just shot out right out. (laughs) And, um, I have to wonder because he's my only baby that ever was colicky. I have to wonder if it had something to do with 
his birth journey, but who knows? Because when babies are coming out and they're taking their time, I don't know, again, quote unquote, like, what does that really mean? Um, I, you know, ideally babies aren't like coming out of us so fast that they have significant bruising, but it can happen. That's a baby that's making really rapid descent into the pelvis. Um, and then they'll have bruising on their face, um, even like swollen lips and eyes and things like that. Um, but as they're coming out, all these reflexes are kind of being set off. So they need to, um, kind of extend and, um, contract and they just, all these reflexes are setting off certain things and their diaphragm needs to get squeezed and the fluid needs to get squeezed. So another thing that can happen when babies come out fast is they'll have a little too much fluid still because those squeezes aren't, um, having the fluid come out of there. Sure. Sure. Um, Similar to like a cesarean where they sometimes will actually like bring the baby out slowly to try to make it be like that squeeze through the birth canal. Have you heard of that? Yeah. I mean, ideally more and more providers would actually do that. Right. But yeah. Oh my gosh. What we see more often in cesarean versus that a nurse will just suction babies. And, um, that suction can also be actually not very kind to a fresh baby. It's very, it's a little too quick for them. Yeah. I was also, um, used to study with this amazing infant, uh, specialist development, uh, in New York city. She, uh, a lot of the work she did was based on body mind centering, which is developed by an occupational therapist, Bonnie Bainbridge Cohen. Anyway, she, they're kind of, and I hope I'm not paraphrasing this the wrong way, but essentially that babies, some babies um, who are born via cesarean birth miss out on the whole pushing. Like when you're like that whole pushing stimulus to the head and all the reflexes you just talked about. Mm-hmm. And so what they, they have a whole approach of working with babies who were born via cesarean just to be able to uh, and they work with adults too, to go back, adults who were born via yeah. cesarean, mm-hmm. to go back and learn that pushing from their head. And apparently mm-hmm. it can really stimulate a lot of amazing reflexes and just growth patterning, just kind of like human patterning that might be missing from someone's experience because they missed out on kind of that, all the things that happen as you go that, that journey through the birth canal. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely how much, um, of what can happen or what is happening to someone in their adulthood is related to their birth and what happened to them. But yeah, absolutely. Sometimes I see babies that, um, have been born by cesarean or really fast births, uh, where those reflexes didn't take place. And they actually are those babies that kind of look like they haven't realized they've been born. So they're like super Mm -hmm. curled up still. Um, they're not really prone to feeding as well. And then I'll work on them and the parents are like, oh my gosh, we've never seen them stretch their body like that. They've never been that's that relaxed. And part of that is this baby hasn't even realized they've been born yet. That's so funny. You yeah. know, my, my midwife after my fourth, she does a bit of CST and she just grabbed him by his ankles and had him upside down, like within the first hour of birth. Like, so I love, I, I think it's really important that different types of providers that are working with pregnant people and working with infants just are aware of all these options, you know, and aware of who to refer to and different things you can integrate into your practice. Absolutely. Yeah. I always, honestly, Lindsay, that's so funny that you say that because 
I, my hands are always so itchy to work on babies right after they're born. Yeah. <laughs> I wish that like everyone, everyone's baby could just get like CST, like within the first two hours of birth. Yeah. Just um, like a couple little things. It'd be so yeah. simple. Yeah. 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 Uh, so you're pregnant yourself. Yeah. So <laughs> amazing. So t- talk to us just a little segue. I feel like we could talk CST forever and it'll probably come up too, but how has being a birth worker influenced your own like choices in pregnancy, your own experience with pregnancy, like unique challenges, just free for all. What do you, what do you think about all that? Yeah. Well, as we all are experiencing, it's also just a really different time um, to be pregnant, just to be a pregnant person and not even like a birth worker that Mm -hmm. is attending births and hospitals and um, sees folks on a pretty regular basis. Um, but it's really interesting because, um, you would think because I became a birth worker after the birth of my first daughter, I would have like less stress and anxiety in this pregnancy, but actually my first kiddo, um, I was just so like empowered going to into her birth and so well educated, but I also didn't have, um, the history of like watching so many people give birth. Um, so for one, it took us quite a while to get pregnant with this one. Um, not as long as some people and we didn't have to, um, do any fertility treatments or anything like that. I ended up just, um, getting some help with some wonderful, um, supplements and herbs and that's the way that went. But, um, so, it was a little bit difficult to be attending births while I was longing for a baby so much, but now this one is here. And then when we found out we were pregnant, um, is actually when everything was, it was probably like a month into everything kind of shutting down and the pandemic being at like mass, mass hysteria. Oh um, but at that time I kept thinking, um, like by July, everything will be normal. And then now <laughs> here we're almost November and I'm, and the baby's gonna, you know, is due in December. And I kept, you know, by the time the baby will be born, it'll be back to normal. I can go mm-hmm. to like yoga classes and be with people. And none of that has been happening, which is for me, for my personality, it is so isolating because I'm a people person. I want to be with people. I want to talk to them. I want to be around other pregnant bodies. I want to, you know, just like be out and about and do pregnancy related stuff. Um, I want to take in in person classes and things like that. So none of that is going on. So that's, that's a bit of a bummer. Um, And also just kind of going back to like watching people give birth. um, And um, sometimes people kind of have the narrative of like second babies are so much easier. And I will say my first birth was pretty easy. um, Minus (laughs) a really long pushing stage. Okay. Um, But just because I've seen some things kind of happen for second, third or fourth babies. I'm like, what if this happens? What if this happens? So um, with this pregnancy, I've been trying to be really mindful of not bringing not like shouldering that and bringing that with me and just really having more trust um, and doing more meditation of like, just because you've seen it doesn't mean it's going to happen to you. Um, and we're really lucky that this pregnancy is going so, so well. Um, and our first was an auto hospital birth and this one will be, we're planning a home birth, uh, with a midwife who's actually like a second mom to me and 
also, since I am a pretty social person, I want a lot of people. <laughs> so we're having, we hired our doula really early on. That's probably like the number one question I get from clients is like, do you have a doula? And I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. We you can't doula yourself. That's for I sure. Can't, I, I can't doula myself, but more importantly, I want my partner to have more confidence this time around. He, uh, I felt so great. And like, on a level 11 high during my first kiddo's birth. Um, but he did just, he was really terrified. And we did have you a, have it. You did. Did you not have a doula with your first? Didn't no. Okay. Didn't. So at the time we chose to have both of our moms there and then a birth photographer. And it was the toss up between affording a birth photographer and a doula. Sure. And we went with the birth photographer, um, but yeah, we didn't have one. And I think for him, it would have been so, so beneficial to have someone as his wing person to be like, Hey, it's okay that she's making this noise Yeah, <laughs> or this is totally normal. Because after we watched the video together, I was like, you look really scared. Were you scared? And he was like, I was terrified the whole time. I, I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Um, and so I actually let him pick who our doula was going to be for this baby's birth. Um, yeah. So he, he um, did the hiring. We hired her really, really early on, but yeah, our plan is to be at home and to be surrounded by people we love. Part of um, having a home birth during this time too, what I so appreciate is the fact that he can go to appointments with me and our daughter can go sometimes. And that is pretty important to us. Mm -hmm. uh, that we can still have that opportunity to, um, to like, for me to not feel even more isolated in the pregnancy. Um, yeah. And then we'll have, you know, someone taking care of our kiddo and a, a birth photographer again. Um, and because I know so many doulas, they're also close friends of mine. People are like, well, can I come too? That's hilarious. <laughs> so <laughs> I had, I had my fourth birth. I actually had I had planned to have three friends that are doulas there, but like one didn't can't like couldn't come last minute. So I had two and then birth photographer and two midwives. I was like, it's a party in my bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it. honestly, like to me, that brings me so much joy. Maybe in the moment I'll need some alone time, but I, I love, and part of that might maybe because um, I played sports when I was younger and I like a cheering crowd, you know, like this, I know birth is really intimate, yeah. Uh, but especially like a cheering feminine energy crowd, like that gives me, oh, like all, all the good feels for birthing time. That's so awesome. We, we're going to wrap up our conversation in a few minutes. I, I would love to go back to CST for a minute. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think it's, it's, it's such an interesting conversation yeah. and we do have a lot of mom or pregnant people, listeners. So I guess I'm curious a few things like if somebody says to you, like, how is this working? Why is this working? That's one thing I'd love to know. Like what, what is your quick elevator speech about why someone should choose or could choose a CSD over another modality? Um, so yeah. And, and then I'd love for you to touch on what are common, like in Brooklyn where I lived before, mm -hmm. um, it was super common to get CST for colic. And like, there was this one master and that was what he did. He was the colic and 
he was genius and everyone went to him for their colicky babies and they had amazing results. So I guess I'm curious, like what, what, uh, disruptions or behaviors you would recommend it for? And what's your elevator speech for someone about why this could be super beneficial for them? Sure. Yeah. I would definitely recommend it for, um, like you said, colic, um, feeding issues. Absolutely. Because that's kind of um, number one, um, sleep disturbances, um, having a baby that positions themselves or a kiddo, um, or extends themselves. So if they're crawling like on one knee or only want to crawl backwards, um, some of those things can be worked out with CST. And I guess the elevator speech would be that it's, um, the reason why it works is because we're releasing tension in the body and we know that tension, um, is not good. So it, it's really light. It's really gentle. And we're really following the rhythm of the body. It's not anything that's forced. Does it require more than one session usually? Um, it really depends. Some people see results instantly and I don't hear from them again. Um, or some people have multiple follow-ups. So it really depends on the case of kind of like what's going on. Mm-hmm. But it's not really a massage, right? No. Although I will say a lot of families when I'm working, especially on a brand new baby, they say like, oh, what a nice massage. Cause it is so gentle mm-hmm. and you don't move your hands super quickly. Um, so it may look like that, I guess sometimes, but it's not quite like a massage. It's more like points, like pressure points um, and slightly moving your hands and um, kind of stretching stretching the baby. I tell families all the time, if I could work on adults, the way, if I could shrink an adult into baby form and stretch an adult, the way I could a baby, um, it would be so much easier for me to work on adults. Sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Uh, Any Lindsay, do you have any parting questions for Landon? No, I, I think I would, I mean, I, I just want to mention that I personally recommend it all the time, CST, especially with new families. Like, let's say your baby cries in the car all the time, or they're colicky, or they're having lactation issues. Like, there's, there's a lot of different things that it can be useful for. Um, I would love to hear, Landon, where people can find you if they want to learn more, get CST, get a doula, whatever. Sure. Yeah. So I, uh, my website is have heart, H A V E um, heart doula.com. I am on Instagram. I'm pretty active on there. Um, also at have heart doula. Um, and then my Facebook also have heart doula and lactation services. Um, those are the easiest places to find me. Perfect. We will have it all in the show notes. It will be, it will be there. So um, Landon, any parting words of advice for like, you're the pregnant doula. Like if you could leave one word of advice for pregnant people right now, I know that's a lot. Like what would be your, your parting words? Yeah. Choose your providers, choose your providers based on it being aligning with your birth values and really prepare for the postpartum time because it's so important. Yeah, it's, I always say it's like uh, planning a wedding and a marriage. Like, don't get me wrong, the wedding's important, but the marriage is kind of really, really important. Along so. this timeline, 
Yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you. We will look forward to speaking with you again sometime soon. Absolutely. Thank Land you. Landon, so thank you so much. Thank you all for listening to the One Strong Mama podcast for birth professionals. If you haven't already, please leave us a rating and a review. We really do appreciate all of the support. If you are a birth worker with an inspiring client, or if you have a birth pro in mind that we should definitely chat with, please email us at podcast at onestrongmama.com. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram at onestrongmamaprenatal for tips for all stages of pregnancy. And definitely join in on the discussion in the One Strong Mama Facebook community group. See you here next time. This episode is brought to you by the One Strong Mama program, the game-changing prenatal and postnatal program that prepares the body for pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Based on the Body Ready Method, teaching birth and fitness pros how to assess and train prenatal clients. Go to onestrongmama.com to learn more.